0: Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. With an unprecedented surge in COVID-19 infections, officials in Los Angeles County are advising residents to avoid non-essential gatherings. Here's County Public Health Director Barbara Ferrer speaking at yesterday's Board of Supervisors meeting.
1: We're also asking that over the next few weeks, we all try to avoid non-essential activities where people are unmasked and in close contact with others. While we know how important getting together with friends is to our well-being, we need to be sure we're able to keep each other safe. The reality is that parties and events, especially those indoors with unvaccinated individuals or those at high risk for severe illness, make it very easy for this virus to spread.
0: Ferrer notes that limiting or avoiding gatherings are only recommendations, and that no new restrictions have put in place in LA County that might force larger events, like next month's Super Bowl, to be canceled. Meanwhile, in Sonoma County, a new public health order there takes effect today. It bans large gatherings over the next 30 days, limiting indoor events to 50 people and outdoor gatherings to 100. Officials in other Bay Area counties have said they will not be implementing new restrictions at this time. We asked Dr. Bob Walker, chair of the Department of Medicine at UC San Francisco on how he's treating this latest surge. For the next three or four weeks, what things do I really need to do that, that will almost inevitably expose me to people who have COVID and what things can I cut out and not be particularly harmful to, uh, to my life? In Sacramento, Governor Newsom has maintained that he doesn't anticipate any new restrictions despite the rapid spread of the virus in the state. A single payer healthcare bill passed its first legislative hurdle in Sacramento last night. It's one of two new proposals that would dramatically increase access to healthcare for Californians. But CAP Radio's Nicole Nixon says there are differences between the proposals.
2: Governor Gavin Newsom this week said he wants to give universal access to health care by opening Medi-Cal coverage to all low-income residents, regardless of immigration status. It would apply to about a million undocumented people currently in a coverage gap, says Cal State Fullerton public health professor Shayna Charles. So it wouldn't change anything about anybody's job-based coverage. It wouldn't change anybody's Medicare coverage. All of that would remain in place. Single-payer, on the other hand... It would affect everybody. In the so-called CalCare plan, the state would pay for every resident's health care, eliminating private and government insurance programs. It's the type of system championed by progressives like Bernie Sanders, but on a state level. Newsom's expansion for undocumented workers would cost about $2.7 billion annually. It's unclear exactly how much a single-payer system would cost, but some estimates say it could raise taxes for businesses and wealthier earners by more than $160 billion. That tax increase would be enacted through a constitutional amendment, which means CalCare would require sign-off from the legislature, governor, and voters. An extremely high bar. For the California Report, I'm Nicole Nixon in Sacramento.
0: COVID-19 affected our mental health in ways we're only just beginning to understand. For some, the problems of the pandemic created an added layer of anxiety on top of an already deeply uncertain world. KPCC's Robert Garova explores how the pandemic has shaken the mental health of the undocumented community. Norma
1: Ramirez entered the U.S. without legal authorization when she was five. She says growing up in Las Vegas, she always did really well in school. Then, Ramirez couldn't get into a college prep program because she didn't have a social security number.
3: I grew up thinking that I could pursue anything that I wanted, and suddenly it was like, nope.
1: Eventually, she did manage to get into college. Later on, she got temporary legal status through the Deferred Action for Child Arrivals program, or DACA. When Ramirez went to work for an immigration nonprofit, she was so struck by the mental health struggles of undocumented people that she decided to make psychology her life's work. Ramirez sought help with her own mental health, too, but she went through three therapists, one of whom tried to give her legal advice.
3: They also were like, you know, if you want to be a therapist, like, go to Mexico.
1: Now, Dr. Ramirez is a clinical psychologist who works in the Northridge area, mostly with children. She says she's proud of being able to provide the culturally competent help she didn't get as a kid. Many of her clients are Latino and are in families with mixed immigration status. Ramirez says for many undocumented families, the pandemic became yet another worry in an already vulnerable existence, especially if the whole family isn't together in the U.S.
3: Not being able to visit family if they are sick. I think it just makes the wounds deeper, you know? Like, can't even say goodbye or something like that.
1: Ramirez was not immune to that stress. The continued uncertainty of the DACA program's future and finishing grad school during the pandemic took a huge emotional toll on her.
3: Just overwhelmed with stress that, Yeah, my body just was not responding the way it would have normally.
1: Ramirez says she completely blocked out some of 2020 from her memory. She's not alone in her suffering. A national survey by an immigrant rights group found the majority of respondents said COVID-19 affected their emotional health. More people mentioned impacts to their mental health than they did to their physical health or financial situation.
3: As an immigrant myself, I have to say, like, it doesn't surprise me.
1: Juliana Macero Donacimento is senior advocacy manager at United We Dream, which conducted the survey.
2: Everything that has to do with COVID has an immigration component to it. If we lose our jobs, then like do we lose maybe a visa that we might have that's
1: connected to
3: it, right? If we get sick and we have to go to the hospital, will we be picked up? by eyes.
1: Mental health concerns also rose to the surface in a survey last year of more than a thousand undocumented undergrads at California public universities. About one in three reported anxiety and or depression at a level that warranted clinical treatment. Mercedes Valdez is a professor at Cal State Sacramento and worked on the survey.
3: A lot of these students live in homes where they don't have their separate bedroom, where they would be able to attend class virtually uninterrupted. A lot of these students had to take care of younger siblings or children.
1: Valadez says she'd like to see colleges hire more counselors, especially ones familiar with issues that concern undocumented people. Dr. Melanie Dominesh-Rodriguez is a psychology professor at Utah State University. She led the United We Dream study. Dominesh-Rodriguez says it was heartbreaking for her to see the level of mental distress undocumented people were reporting, but she says there were some encouraging signs too.
3: There were a lot of strengths, and when we looked at people's coping styles, we see that people are using mostly pretty effective coping
1: strategies. Those strategies included meditation, exercise, and binging Netflix, too. Juliana Macedo de Nascimento of United Be Dream has also had to find ways to deal with life in the pandemic, especially as a DACA recipient waiting to find out if the program will survive.
2: One of the biggest breakthroughs I've had in therapy was finally accepting and realizing that it's a completely reasonable and and rational reaction to my circumstances to have anxiety and depression.
1: It's not that there's anything broken inside me, she says. It's just my situation. For the California Report, I'm Robert Garova in Los Angeles.
0: That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. Hundreds of thousands of Californians might lack access to safe drinking water. That's according to a recent study from UCLA and UC Berkeley. And the drinking water problem disproportionately affects communities of color. KCRW's Kaylee Wells has the details.
2: The study tested water for nitrate, arsenic, and hexavalent chromium. They can cause cancer, and they're all commonly found in California. Turns out 370,000 Californians have high levels of those chemicals in their water, and nearly half of those people are relying on domestic well water. There's no requirement to test uh, domestic well water for the presence of chemicals UCLA environmental health science professor Laura Cushing says a lot of Californians have no way of knowing if their water is safe. Most groundwater accessed with a private well doesn't get treated like in a public drinking water system. Cushing also says the climate-induced drought makes the chemicals more concentrated and makes the water quality worse. Prior studies suggest more than a million people lack access to safe drinking water once you test for bacteria and other contaminants. For the California Report, I'm Kaylee Wells in Los Angeles.
0: Recently synonymous with supply chain problems, the ports of LA and Long Beach are now getting praise from the Biden administration. Visiting the ports yesterday, Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg said Southern California's ports saved the holidays for Americans. One of the reasons why Christmas was not in fact canceled is that ports like LA and Long Beach moved record levels of goods allowing an all-time record high in terms of retail sales this holiday season. The Transportation Secretary's visit comes as the number of containers lingering at marine terminals continues to drop. But the aftermath of problems at the ports continues to echo across the state agriculture is one of the industries hit hardest by supply chain snarls. As we hear from Valley Public Radio's Carrie Klein, research shows that losses from so-called container geddon have reached into the billions.
3: $2.1 billion to be exact. That's an estimate of how much California's ag industry lost in just four months of last year, according to findings from a University of California research magazine. The reason? Bottlenecks at California ports, which have delayed exports of California-grown products, and led foreign importers to find alternative suppliers. Roger Isom is the president of two local trade associations, representing cotton ginners and tree nut processors.
0: This is probably one of the most devastating things that's happened to the ag industry since I've been working.
3: Isom has been involved in ag for nearly three decades. And if California's ports don't expand their capacity, he worries ag could be in danger
0: some of our customers are starting to wonder, is California going to be the solid supplier that they used to be? Yeah, I think that's a legitimate question right now.
3: The research, published in December's UC Agricultural and Resource Economics update, estimates the tree nut industry alone has lost more than $500 million. For the California Report, I'm Carrie Klein in Fresno.
0: And that is the California Report for Wednesday, January 12th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Support for the California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Stanford Medicine, Protecting your health and providing defendable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits, stanfordhealthcare.org slash adaptingcare. And the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org.
3: Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out the Bay Curious book.